I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. Massive media attention around COP26 has put climate change and sustainability on everyone's lips. With the World Meteorological Organization having reported that powerful heat waves and devastating floods and other extreme weather events are the new normal, and the previous 25 conferences failing to stop greenhouse gases and increasing global temperatures, the pressure on leaders to take decisive action has never been higher. But while governments have a critical role to play in halving global carbon emissions by 2030, the spotlight is falling increasingly on business to step up to the plate. And that means the job of communications professionals is going to become even more challenging. If you type greenwashing into the Google search box, one of the top suggested searches is greenwashing examples. Click on that and you see nearly four and a half million results. Among the brands listed on page one are IKEA, H&M, McDonald's, Shell, Zara and Volkswagen. Greenwashing, it would seem, is common practice. Now, quite apart from COP26, ESG in a broader sense has gathered massive attention in the last two years. Google Trends shows that searches for ESG have increased threefold since November 2019, and in an even shorter timeline, searches have jumped by 45% since August this year. The top related topic for those searches? Investment. Investors are actively seeking out businesses where ESG principles are strong. Greenwashing simply doesn't cut it in 2021. Among an increasing number of marketers with a focus on ESG and sustainability is director of Always Be Content, Pete Martin. Pete studied English language and literature at university. He says he left knowing a lot about James Joyce and the Jacobeans and almost nothing about the real world. His first job was as a copywriter in an advertising agency, gradually moving up to creative director before starting his own agency eventually sold that company to a PLC and moved to New York, working as an executive creative director. Pete now has the opinion that the agency world hasn't really kept up with the business world. The world's moved on and the, the it, things things are faster, you need to be more nimble. And the old agency structure, which is a sort of pyramidic structure, which reflects the client's pyramidic structure, it means that the decisions have to go up and down the tree on both on both sides of it, adding to cost um, and a lot of paper shuffling um, that is either non-productive or, or, in my view, counterproductive. In 2017, Pete set up Always Be Content, a content marketing agency that he says has two guiding principles – for everyone to be happy in their jobs and to make clients' jobs easier and make them more content. He says the reason the conventional pyramid structure of other agencies still exists is a hangover from the days when agency was a commission-based business. Some agencies haven't really worked that out yet and are still trying to run a system that ran in the 1950s, 1960s and try and get it to work in the modern world. And I think a lot of people think it doesn't. Earlier in his career, Pete worked with the energy company SSE for about 12 years. At that time, and even still today, SSE has strong sustainability credentials. 
That led to an ongoing interest in sustainability and an understanding of the energy market within the current agency, coupled with clients interested in social marketing. As a result, the company developed a strong interest in all of the different elements of ESG, with two staff in particular certified in sustainability management from Harvard and Cambridge University. With such a strong background in this area, I asked Pete what he feels about how much progress was really made at COP26 recently, and what the impact on the real world will be. That's a that's an extremely good question. I think everybody's agreed that, that it was a bit of a curate's egg. I mean, I think most you know the, the thing that came out of it most was that um, the American politician AOC you know got to taste iron brew. I think that was one of the, <laughs> one of probably the thing that most people took away from it. But you know the the, the commitment to um, limit global heating to one point five degrees was important. I mean, yeah. I think you know that's that's was was under debate, and you've you've still got the usual laggards, largely um, you know nations that are. That depend on their economy depends to some extent on um, fossil fuels. I mean, you know, pre- you know, predictably, you know, Australia, despite you know, fifteen million acres of the land being on fire last you know in the past couple of years, they're, they're still one of the laggard nations. But generally, you know, there, there was there was a recommitment to trying to control global heating, and I think that's that's that is re- that is really important. You know, the, yeah. the, the 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 impact of allowing it to get over two degrees, three degrees, they're so catastrophic. Mm-hmm. They seem far away, but but they're not. And um, you know, maybe maybe not for our you know in our lifetime, but you know, the, my children's lifetime and my granddaughter's lifetime, yeah. it will be absolutely you know if we allow that to continue, um, you're you're talking about incredible incredible impacts uh, around the world. So on so on the positive side, that was good. You know, trying to end deforestation, switch uh, switch to electric vehicles, that kind of thing, phasing out coal, but the the wider question around you know global. Um, Justice and equality, where the poorer nations who have been suffering the, the biggest impacts for the, for, from from this are not, are not really being supported properly, and the, you know the indigenous nations as well, the indigenous peoples um, were largely left out of left out of the conversation. So there, so there there were a few telling oversights, I would say, you know, but on the whole, you'd have to you'd have to be positive. And, and the other thing, the commitment to talking about it more regularly, you know, trying to do this yearly and trying to keep the pressure up. Was pretty was pretty good, I think. So you know, on on the whole, you have you have you have to be you have to be positive about it. The impact of that, I think, is important for everyday life and for for how business runs and all the rest of it. Largely because the structures that will make this work at all really have to come from the top. You know, yeah. unless, unless the policies and the practices and the the investment structures and the way the way funding works and government support works, unless all of that is in place, it just won't work. You know, you know, you can look at the UK's challenge in trying to transform to a green economy. There's lots of work that still needs to be done on that, and even in terms of the way contracts for difference and all the rest of it that, that are quite that are quite they sound quite technical and incredibly tedious to us. But in order to make um, investment pay in green green energy, I mean, one of the ir- ironical things about green energy is it's, it has the potential be, to be so cheap. Um, that it's very hard to make money from, so nobody wants to invest in it. Yeah. Um, so how how do you sort of square that circle? And you know, investors are investors are looking for support um, to get that those projects off the ground and to create those future revenue streams and you know that stream of clean green electricity. So all of that all of that has to come from government. You know, it just has to come from government. And the if COP twenty six as as a as a as a 
you know, it becomes an annual jamboree, and then so much the better because it means that you know the, the, probably the least impressive part of COP twenty six was was where the politicians' contributions. To be honest, um, there was a lot of there was a lot of you know showmanship there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think some of some of, but the the mere act of being forced to stand up and say what you're what you're committing to does do does do something. And I think when when that kind of leadership turns into policy, turns into practice, then that will that will impact on the real world and on how how things happen. Like you say, there was a lot of showmanship around it, you know, and that that was the stuff that sort of made the headlines from it, I guess. And a lot of what you're talking about there is government led or even country led, you know, I mean, it's, Mm. it's big. But do, do you think this has put more pressure on, on a layer down from that, the businesses themselves, rather than governments? Because I mean, from from my perspective, you almost look at it and go, well, you've got the governments who've got to make these changes and change policy and, and, and force things through. You've got consumers who everyone is now more environmentally aware, you know, lots of different things we're all hopefully doing. And then there's this gap in the middle. Yeah. Do you think that that gap, that which is corporations, do you think that the, the spotlight is now falling on them a bit more? I would almost say the reverse. I, w- I, w- I would say... And this applies to the UK. Um, is in, in in many ways, business is now more progressive than the current government, right? You yeah, know? and is thinking more clearly about its role in society and and how things work. And I think the, what's dri- what's driving that is, is is sort of twofold. One, there is consumer pressure for things to change. The public, the you know, the the the, the, think, the thinking public is quite keen on this kind of thing, and um, so there, so there is an agenda there. But equally, there's there's now mounting evidence that it works better for business if they look at the the full range of the risks across environmental, social, and governance. And that that probably goes goes back to you know probably 2015 was the first was the first. Um, you know, real investment where somebody took a look at the investments and 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 how they performed, and there was something there was something like a six percent per annum difference in performance between companies with good um, ESG credentials and those that didn't, and that 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 interest is filtered through into the market, and that's filtered through into into investor behaviour. There, there are now trillions, you know, pouring into um, businesses with good with strong ESG credentials. So that that really. That really makes it work, and and the, the thing when we looked at this, we asked ourselves a sort of a deep and meaningful question. We went, you know, okay, so businesses with strong ESG credentials work better, their their management's better, their operations are better, and they make more money. How does how does that happen? You know, mm. what what is the what is the connection? And we sort of persuaded ourselves that having having forcing yourself to look. At, at this, at the broad spectrum of ESG issues, makes you a better business because it forces you to look at the the genuine range of risks that your business runs, both now and in the future. You know, and it allows you to stave off, um, you know, to to think about future pricing of your materials, of your raw materials, um, the reputational risks that come with it. Your it looks, it looks through your supply chain. So all of the 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 sort of disasters that people have have found have found themselves in. And, and particular, particularly around management behaviours, I think where you know when we worked on Wall Street, you you forgive me, but the the phrase was you know, was where, where big swinging dick was was um, <laughs> was 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 meant as a compliment, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and those the types of aggressive behaviours that come with that, where you know ha, ha, mas, masculine um, 
behaviors you know large largely you know almost exclusively white male uh, middle-aged behaviors that came with that you know they're sort of shown not to work very well. And you know, the more diverse and the more inclusive the decision-making and the management structure, the better the, the, better the process. Mm. So, I mean, I think, I think all of that taken together means that business is now more aware of, of its, its obligations and its opportunities um, to, do better in the real, to do better in the real world. And it, it, you know, in, our, in our little Dare to Care boot, we pulled out half a dozen you know, of, the, of companies who have, some of them have made astonishing transformations um, in, in the way they've run their business and have, re- have reaped the rewards. You know? I think you know, something, you know, Unilever's a very good example of that. You know, something that you would think a, a classic consumer goods company and the the way they've gone the way they've gone about they, they took something they they took hundreds of millions off off their costs by by paying more attention to um to their sustainability issues so you you know the op, there are, it's not there are opportun there are op, genuine opportunities there but, and I, I say that as you know to try to put a positive spin on it but you know, but the the the, the reverse is also the reverse is also true you know people talk about the cost of action but it's, we're not very good about talking about the cost of inaction and i've often said to people you know how much would you pay to get off the titanic you know, mm. um, and you know, well, actually, loads of people, you know, until it's just about to hit the iceberg, we're not, even, we're not, we're still sitting in the deck chairs. You know, mm. so, um, so it's it's a really it's really important, and this is this is the key thing for me. The, the word sustainability itself means focusing on the long term, and that's something that I would say, you know. British business and certainly um, the, the stock market is not good at you know quarterly reporting does not help anybody. Mm. Some most businesses have got really long term investment challenges to maintain their future profitability um, as opposed to being you know having some of have not I'm not necessarily um, you know all, always focusing on tomorrow's dividend you know. Yeah, I understand all that from. I suppose from an investment perspective, uh, and, and you know the way you explain the, the returns you get is absolutely right. All the stats back that up. I wonder whether there is a tendency in some businesses, not all, but some businesses, to kind of, I don't know, to jump on the bandwagon and try and say the right things, but not do the right things. And you know, we we get a lot of. Uh, it's been a what for a while now. A lot of business telling us to. I don't know, wash at 30 degrees or turn the thermostat down by, by a degree. And, you, you know, yeah, that's fine. There, there, there is a role for education of people, absolutely. But I guess, I guess where I'm coming from is I think we're starting to want to – we're starting to see through that now. We want, we want to actually see action from, from the companies we're buying from. Would you agree with that? I think that's absolutely – Correct. I think, you know, again, there's no harm in in people in the, the man in the street and the woman in the street playing their playing their part. But in terms of genuine impact, everybody knows that that government and business have a f- potential for far more impact on yeah. this than we do. You know, this, yeah, this is this this is this is an industrial scale problem. You know, and uh, you know it's a global industrial scale problem. Um, and you you just think well, asking the man in the street to tackle a global industrial scale problem just it, it, it's 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 verging and hypocritical, yeah, and yeah. you know, and and the you know, the the classic formulation of reduce, reuse, you know, re- recycle. Yeah, everybody's desperate to talk about how the man in the street can recycle and the woman in the street can recycle, um, as opposed to you know reuse and recycle, which which has the potential to impact has the potential to impact sales. Nobody, nobody's asking to 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 buy less washing powder. So I th- so I think there, there's a, there's definitely a challenge there's definitely a challenge in there, um, but I think. The, the the underlying problem with the you know what what is 
you know, called green greenwashing. Yeah. Um, is that is that it doesn't work? You know, it's it's not it's not it, you know it is the definition of unsustainable. Um, the the world is the world is too open and well informed now for you to get away with it. Um, you know, even you know even Mark Carney, the former governor of the Bank of England, came a cropper. Just just last week, where he declared that the new massive investment fund he he works for is is carbon neutral, um, and everyone yeah, but Mark, you've got loads of fossil fuel investments in there. You know what? You know, what are you? Who are you, try, who are you trying to kid? You know, yeah. um, and of course, yeah, then you then had to had to walk that back in public and say that wasn't really what I meant, and what I meant was, and if, and, it, and all it did all it did was focus the the spotlight on on what they were really doing. You know, and and our, our sort of advice for people is to say, look. What you have to be at the very minimum is transparent and say we're you know I don't really like the phrase we're on a journey but we everybody's on a journey nobody is perfect and it's you know this has been a problem that's been decades in the making it's not you're not going to turn it around overnight everybody appreciates you've got a business to run and staff to employ and all mm. the rest of it but how do you how do you go about it how do you how do you turn that ship and I think before you go asking the public to do things, you have to put your own house in order first and say, right, this is what we are doing. This is these are the investments we are making. These are the efforts we are making. If you could help us, you know, that would be highly much appreciated. And that has a different tenor to it than than um, well, we'll just carry on doing what we're doing. Thank you. Very yeah, much. But if you yeah, could, if absolutely. you could turn your washing machine down, that'd be good. Thanks. And um, so yeah, I think that's that's a, that's sort of the key for me. Uh, you know, gen, genuine transparency. Um, is is at the heart uh, is at the heart of that? Yeah, and I mean this this all raises very big questions for people in the communications industry and marketing and PR around, like you said, around greenwashing. My sense is it that it could put some of those people in in quite a difficult position <laughs> if if you're working with or for a company that is perhaps saying the right things but not doing the right things it's that could be quite a scary line to walk as a marketer i would think yeah definitely yeah definitely i mean this this comes back to one of the one of the challenges of marketing you know where there's loads of people in marketing very clever very experienced doing a great job um but aren't necessarily listened to much within the business you know yeah. some of the drivers of business i remember talking to a client and and he was saying you know in terms of this business, you know, I've got a, I've got a budget of you know four or five million. The guy next to me on the board, he's got a budget of seventy million. The next guy next to him's got a budget of hundred million. They don't listen to me, you know. So yeah, yeah. in terms of you know, even if you've got a seat at the table, um, making the case for the primacy of communications is can 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 often can often be difficult. And I think that is a challenge. But I think that all of the if all of the evidence is on your side, um, all you can all you can do is. Um, is make that case properly, you know, and mm. you know, put it to your put it to your colleagues um, that this is this is how the world works, and yeah. you know, it's having 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 more diversity and inclusion, having fair policies for fair employment, you know, paying your tax properly, all of the all of the sort of governance things that that, that really matter, and then you know, what what are we doing about our supply chain? What are we doing about the sustainability of our, you know, of our, of the way we treat the environment, about the, of the genuine, the genuine cost of of what we do, all all of that taken together is better is going to be better for the business because it, it I, I keep on saying this but it gives the business a much more realistic view of its genuine risks, um the things that that if you if you try and sweep them under the carpet today they will they will they will definitely come around tomorrow. I mean we 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 outline a couple of the a couple of the sort of bloopers that people have made. There was a the classic of a a well known fossil fuel company um that 
put out, you know, on the face of it, a seemingly innocent Twitter poll saying, you know, what are you doing to reduce your carbon? And the, the the flaming they got back was like, well, hang on a second, what are you <laughs> what are you what are you doing? And, uh-huh. and, that, and that came from the most senior parts of government, senior senior politicians, you know, um, climate scientists. It, they learned their lesson pretty quickly on that, I think. You know, so even as a communication professional, I think you just have to be saying them, um, you know, we might be saying the right things, but unless we follow through with action, um, you know, it's it that is in itself unsustainable. Yeah, it could be quite an interesting time, actually, the next year or two, in that I I could quite see more of that, that that Twitter example. I could see more of that stuff happening. I could see some very interesting conversations, put it that way, between you know C-suite and, and the people handling the media and, and the mm. pushback in there, because the C-suite's going to want to say one thing and, and the communicators are going to go, hang on, you know, we're going to land ourselves in hot water if we do that. So that could be interesting. Yeah. Do you think that marketers and, and PR people need to kind of upskill when it comes to sustainability to put in order to, I suppose, to put themselves in a position where they can push back with, with real authority, not just from a media knowledge, but from a sustainable, you know, how it all works together? Yeah. I mean, if I, if I was a younger person in marketing, I, I would definitely go and get myself some proper training in mm. in this. I mean, the, the Cambridge University course is reasonably inexpensive, you know, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, pro- it's, it's difficult, obviously, but it's, it's probably two months, two months of, of work to, to get yourself certified in it with a really good grounding. But even, even if you, even if your business won't fund you to do that, just taking a bit of time to go through the um, the, the seventeen um, sustainable development goals from the UN is a bit of an eye opener. I often I often think for businesses it's better to look at them in reverse order because and, and if you sort of understand them in, in reverse order, you know the, the first one's about internationalism um, and you know open you know open borders, and then you know the sec- second one's peace and justice and strong institutions, then life on land, life below water, climate ac- climate action. Responsible consumption and production, sustainable cities, reduced inequalities, in, in industry inf- innovation and infrastructure, decent work and economic growth, affordable and clean energy. You sort of very quickly come to see how all of those play into your business. They're obviously very well designed and very well thought through, and they've got you know each one of them has sort of ways of thinking about it. And then if you if you use the SDG compass, which is um, you know it's really clear how you do that. You know step one, you've got to understand the sustainable development goals. Two. How do they impact on your business? So, what are your priorities? You know, three. How do you set your goals in your business? You know, four. How do you bring that all together and integrate? And then five. How do you report and communicate? You go. This is actually really quite on the surface, quite complicated. But a lot, a lot of the heavy lifting has been done for done for you in terms of how you go about managing it and thinking about it. So, some, so some of that, some of that, I would say, you know, it's almost. You know, I'm not suggesting it's half a morning's work, but you know, get get getting a good grounding and getting started is not is not that hard. Podcast analysis has always been a major problem for marketers, with outreach efforts reliant on dubious download numbers and a lot of guesswork. Until now, Podchaser Pro is a new service that solves the problem for podcasters and marketers alike. I caught up with co-founder Cole Raven. We've built this new product around audience sizes so that as like a PR agency or a marketing agency, you can use this tool to really understand how many listeners every podcast gets. And then we provide contact information on top of that. We understand how many people are listening to a podcast, how far they get into each episode, in some cases, demographic data. 
You can't find that anywhere else. Check it out at podchaserpro.com forward slash digital download. From my perspective, I, I, and I'm sure people would agree with this, I I can feel a shift. Now, maybe this is because of COP26 and, and everything that's gone on just very recently, but it feels like there has been a shift in the last three or six months towards really, really now starting to take this stuff very seriously. Whereas, I suppose, actually, let's take a step back. Two years ago, climate was probably one of, if not the biggest area that that businesses were looking at and people were paying attention to. Then COVID hit, and it seemed to you know, be on, be on the back foot because of everything else going on. But then the last six months is back again, and it's back and it's bigger than it has ever been. And sustainability is now on everyone's lips. Are you broadly positive about the way things are moving and a way, the way that business and uh, is reacting to sustainability and and the future for for, for this? I would say more than I'm more than broad, broadly positive. I mean, I think so, you, you, there's no denying some of the. Serious risks that are that are that are behind this. You know, I think that's that that those have been very poorly communicated to the public. You know, I mean, the you know, there's been a lot of climate denialism and lobbying against it. But you know, the truth will the truth will like murder out. So the the the, the appreciation of you know the the risks uh, that that appreciation is is growing and the, the severity of it. But you know that that can lead you into sort of doomism and pessimism and think, oh God, what what can we do? Mm. I, I think. In reality, though, the answer is there is a lot we can do. I think we're at that, we're actually at a new juncture in in civilization where you know we're, we're coming out of the petrol age, for for want of a better phrase, and we're we're, we're looking we're looking at at the sort of age of renewable energy, which you know powered by the wind, powered by the sun, all of that. You know, if we if we'd had our if we'd had our options back at the if those options had been if that technology been available at the start of the the, the sort of twentieth century. You know, going, you know, putting out your know, platforms into the sea and all of that kind of thing mm, to, to yeah. extract oil and and you know then making brilliantly engineered um, you know petrol combustion engines to to work work with this, you'd go like, can't we just have do it with you know, some solar power and wind power? That would be, that'd uh-huh. be a much that's a much better idea. And I think you know that the the logic of that will be will be will be inescapable. Will be inescapable. The challenge, of course, is that it is. I mean, the, the the analogy we use in the book is, is 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 it's not really meant to be flippant, but is around the practice of of putting small children up chimneys in the Victorian era to clean them. Yeah. And and the te- the technology of you know flexible brushes had existed for fifty years before the practice of of of, of child labour was was outlawed, and you know and. And it was only it was you know it was a government action that stopped it. And the, 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 you went back and you said, well, you must you could imagine the 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 the, the chimney sweep industry at the time saying, well, well, you know, there's plenty of children and they're all <laughs> you know, and they're all they're all very they're very cheap. I'm just getting them out of the house, you know. And so why not? Let's just keep on doing it. And it was like, hang on a second, that's completely that's completely it's just completely wrong. Um, and we're sort of getting to that stage with the fossil fuel industries where people are going, well, you know, there's plenty of coal in the ground. It's mm. pretty cheap, and you know, yeah, but it's destroy. You know, you're changing the temperature of the planet, and it's it's completely wrong. We have to stop it. You know, mm. um, and I think that is that is the that is where I think that's where we're headed. And 
and the, and the re- the reason the reason why business and and government need to need to work together and you know I've got my own views about the you know the the deindustrialization of the UK um, back back in the the eighties but we we do we do need a we do need a transition um, to the green economy and you know even in even in a country like Australia which does ex you know which does have a big coal mining industry and all the rest of it they. You know they've always got loads of sunshine. You know, um, yeah. So like, you know, they, they need a strategy to 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 segue all of those those engineering jobs and coal mining in, into solar power. I mean, that's you know, and into into green energy. That is the challenge. I mean, the you know the, the UK the UK needs to install a, a ludicrous number of electric char- vehicle charging points. You know, I can't yeah, remember yeah, how yeah. it's like seventy a day for the next ten years or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, where does that happen? How is that going to happen? You know. Where, who's who's training those people to do that job? Where, where's, where's the manufacturing coming from? You know, all all of that, as a, as opposed to you know still dithering around the edges of well, well we'll open another coal mine here and we'll license another oil field there and you know and it it just it just needs some big confident action um, to 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 set the ball rolling. To find out more, head to alwaysbecontent.com or look up Pete on LinkedIn. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.